Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. If you're Gen X, like me, you may recall a video featuring Madonna wrapped in an American flag and rapping new words to her hit song Vogue to encourage voting. Dr. King, Malcolm X, freedom of speech is as good as sex. Abe Lincoln, Jefferson, Tom, they didn't need the atomic bomb. We need beauty, we need art, we need to get rhythm. Get in rhythm. Don't give up your freedom of speech. How did the people is in our reach? Don't just sit there, let's get to it. Speak your mind, there's nothing to it. Vote! That video was the very first public service announcement for the Rock the Vote campaign. It launched in 1990, and in its long partnership with MTV, Rock the Vote has sought to increase voter turnout. It's done the work for so long, the young people it once cultivated are now people like me. But different times call for different measures, and these days, a group of St. Louis activists have a new project. It's called Dance the Vote, and joining us to explain more and highlight its Dance the Vote 2020 project is co-founder Joan Lipkin. So, Joan Lipkin, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. It's good to be with you. So, Joan, you started Dance the Vote four years ago. What inspired you to, to get this thing started? Well, you know, it's a nonpartisan arts initiative that we created with uh, Ann Tausick, Sabrina Tayus, who has now become the queen of voter registration in my book, uh, choreographer Ashley Tate. And four years ago, a lot of the artists that I knew were feeling very disenfranchised mm-hmm. and um, been, sort of venting a lot on Facebook. And I thought, let's take that and turn that into some kind of art. Let's talk about the importance and the urgency of voting. And so our very first performance was outside Tom Ray's iconic vintage vinyl Ah. record store in the loop. It was a rainy afternoon. A couple of dozen people came by, and that was good. We were very very happy about that. And then two years later, we had 1,100 people come to the Missouri History Museum for the midterms, and we were covered by all the news. And I think what we've done is to make is to make this bridge between art and activism Hmm. and to have the art lead us into an awareness of voting. And what I also like is that it's not just about promoting voting. It's also about giving artists an opportunity to express themselves. Hmm. So this idea of combining those two things, uh, calling it Dance the Vote, was that a conscious echo of Rock the Vote? (laughs) Well, you know, if you Google that, how many ways can you say vote, right, in a short way? Yeah. Um, I love Rock the Vote, and I think that they've been very important. Um, and headcount, for example, with their, their registrations at concerts and public gatherings. But ours is different because we're not going to an outside venue or an outside organization. We are giving opportunities, right? It was local artists, and one of the things that's exciting is that we're both local and national and even have some international folks who are contributing. Hmm. So um, to the best of my knowledge, Sarah, I've, I've been you know, doing my research. I don't know of anybody else who is sort of commissioning and curating dance pieces that look at voting. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of music stuff, but there's not anything I'm aware of about dance. It does seem like a more unusual combination. Have you tackled that in a literal sense, like there's pieces that show people voting, or is it more the ideas behind democracy and the ideas behind voting? I think it's the ideas. You know, uh, we've, we have asked artists to think about um, 
the ex- their experiences. So, so most of the choreography, we sort of put out a call or we ask specific companies or choreographers to create work that's based on various themes of the voting experience. So in the past, this has included the experience of African Americans, women, people with disabilities, and immigrants. And if you, if you sort of open the door, there are so many possibilities. There's voting, voting rights, voting suppression, voting in other countries, right? Many, many themes. Um, and I just thought that the dance was a different, it was a different take. And, and there's something about dance. Uh, it's a different kind of language, right? And I'm a theater, I'm a theater artist. I'm a, I'm a playwright and I'm a director. But I wanted to think about the body and the moving body and diverse bodies as a different kind of text, hmm. right? As opposed to people listening and, and having to attend to the language and, and understanding care. You know, I thought, let's, let's go at this a different way. And let's work with forms that we don't usually see as much. Hmm. So you started this four years ago. And as you say, at the time, people were feeling pretty dispirited. Four years later, people are feeling dispirited (laughs) all over again and in many different novel ways that I don't know that that we could have foreseen. So how is Dance the Vote? Um, what, What is your big focus headed into this year's November election? You know, I, I think one of the things that we're trying to do is to encourage people. And Ashley Tate, who, who has Ashley and Dance Company, and I co-produced this together, and uh, we recorded something outside the History Museum that we use as a sort of intro for all of the packages, and we have these episodes. So we just, as the, as the lingo goes there, we just dropped <laughs> episode one yesterday on multiple channels, and that's two different choreographers doing work. And what we said is, we hope that these pieces inspire and encourage you because I think that I think people need inspiration and encouragement Mm. and they also need information. I mean, there is so much misinformation out there right now, um, especially around voting options in Missouri. Um, And oftentimes it's propagated by very well-intentioned people who will see like a graphic from that somebody has posted and and probably from another place another state and then they'll repost it and it's erroneous hmm. so what we're doing is after each episode um first of all we welcome people in and and then we have these two two epi- we have two pieces in an episode and at the end of each each episode we have information hmm. about how to check their registration tech you know, text check to 50409 or to vote.org. Or most recently, this a wonderful resource that we're going to start adding, which is vote411.org, which is put out by the education arm of the League of Women Voters. Um, and we also have a card, a graphic at the end, uh, where people can call one eight six six our vote for help, and that is an election protection hotline. I mean, so we're 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 encouraging, we're giving artists an, an opportunity to express themselves, and we're also providing information. And we're doing this with everything we do. Mm-hmm. We have a whole bunch of stuff coming up, and with everything we do, we we sort of pair the art and also the information. But 
First, we have the art. <laughs> and so first you have the art. You have these episodes. You say the first one just dropped. Each one has two different pieces of choreography. How yeah. many episodes are, are you planning in total? Uh, I think 10. Okay. But we actually have gotten more work in that excites us. So, uh, so you may expand. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I got to tell you, Sarah, when we reached out to people, um, and, and we, our focus um, sort of from the beginning was local, but then we decided to expand it. Uh, we have had incredible conversations with artists all over the country, and they have thanked us hmm. for the opportunity to make something and to be paid a commission, which is, is not what I wish it could be because our funding was cut. But um, and well, I'll have to tell you something very interesting about how we raised money. I'll, let's circle back to that because that, yeah. that has been fascinating. Um, but, you know, they've thanked us. They've thanked us for the opportunity to make work, to be of service. A lot of choreographers and, and most artists are sort of out of work right now mm-hmm. and to give them visibility. And so that's a wonderful thing. It's, it's sort of creating this national, even international community of of performers. And I want to play some audio. One of our producers talked to one of those performers. I want to do that in just a moment. But first, I want to mention something that I feel like is really important. And that is that you decided to primarily highlight the work of choreographers and artists of color. Why, Why was that important to this project? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, we have, thank you for that. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. Um, we have always presented diverse companies and artists. When George Floyd was murdered, we decided that we would center the work of BIPOC artists. We felt that this was a very important moment, and not to say that that moment should end, but that that moment should extend. And just to, we, to cut in here, when you say BIPOC, um, for our older listeners or people who don't hang out on Twitter nearly as much as I do, that's uh, black, indigenous, uh, people of color, is that right? Correct. And when we talk about people of color, in other parts of the country, it has a different uh, connotation than it does here so much in St. Louis. We're also talking about Asian American, and we're also talking about Latinx. Okay. So, you... so we have people who are, we have choreographers who are, who are Latinx. We have an amazing um, working, <laughs> we have this Latinx hip-hop group from, from L.A. called Versa Styles. And we have um, a wonderful Asian-American company out of New York, uh, Nene Chen. Um, So that's what BIPOC is. But this is also coming out not only of that moment around George Floyd's murder and the the, um, fuller emergence Mm -hmm. of the Black Lives Matter movement, because, of course, this had begun many years ago, but it also is in response, uh, from, um, in my opinion, um, from something that came out, I believe it was in July, there was a manifesto that was written called We See You America, uh, White American Theater, We See You White American Theater, that had uh, um, over 150,000 signatures mm. that, that really asked um, white theater makers what they plan to do about the racism and the lack of opportunity in, in contemporary theater. Now, this was really aimed more at theaters and really aimed more at large theaters, uh, at probably regional theaters, than it was at, at, an, at a small organization um, like mine. But I, I took that 
charge very seriously. And a lot of companies put um, statements of solidarity on their website. And I think that's important. I think it's important to signify um, uh, commitment. And, but I, I think that in some ways talk is cheap. And I'm interested in action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm interested in talk and action. So we decided that we would center the work of BIPOC choreographers. Well, and I want to play some audio from one of those choreographers right now. And, and those who've been listening since the beginning of the show will know we have been having some technical difficulties today. So, Joan, I'm not 100% sure you'll be able to hear this, but I believe our listeners will, and, and we'll see. Um, and we're talking, of course, today to Joan Lipkin. She's the co-founder of Dance the Vote. This is a project that combines art and activism around the issue of voter registration and, and voter rights. And they just dropped, they're dropping a series of videos this fall. The first one just dropped yesterday. There's much more to come. Choreographer Christopher Page Sanders is based in Denver but has St. Louis roots and his piece has a clear connection to voting and voting rights. It's called Daughters of the Legacy and earlier this week Christopher spoke to our producer Evie Hemphill about what inspired the piece. At that time I was doing a lot of research um, on the suffragist movement but also where black women fit into the suffragist movement. Um, and my piece abstractly speaks um, on that, on how all of these Black women, um, Ida B. Wells, um, Sojourner Truth, um, all of these women within uh, this movement, all of these beautiful, beautiful Black women were called upon to speak out um, and to work with um, the movement and to to be basically the forefront of the movement. Uh, but when it when it came to um, actually seeing um, the rights of all women come through, those rights went to specifically white women and the black women um, who were working uh, with. Um, these other women for their right to vote never saw their their vote come through until much later in time. And that is choreographer Christopher Page Sanders. His piece is called Daughters of the Legacy. Joan, what do you take from his piece? What I take from it is that um, we need to restore uh, the enormous contributions of women of color to the suffrage movement. Mm. And, um, and Jacqueline Thompson, who is one of our beloved St. Louis performers recorded a, and wrote a beautiful poem um, that got layered on top of the piece. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful piece. We, we haven't shown it yet. We're really excited to, to, to release it. Okay, so that's one that's going to be upcoming. And again, that is a Denver-based choreographer who has St. Louis roots. And, and Joan, this feels like a great time to loop back with, with that thought that you had mentioned earlier, which is that your funding got cut. I assume this was some sort of a, a grant-type money that, that people yeah. had to pull back on. Yeah, everybody's funding. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all, the through line. And in addition to technical problems, uh, <laughs> funding getting cut is the through line of this pandemic. So you found your funding cut, and yet, as you said, yeah. it was very important to you to pay people yeah. um, like these choreographers for their work. How were you able to do that? Well, this was funny, Sarah. So my assistant, Becky, uh, said to me, Joan, let's do um, a birthday fund for Dance the Vote. And I said, you know, and I contribute, like, small amounts to lots of places and lots of people, local organizations, cultural, social, all kinds of things. And I said, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing that. 
in this time when I feel that there are other more pressing kinds of needs. And she said, oh, come on, let's just try it. So we put it up and we decided it would just be for Dance the Vote and I was not going to harass anybody online. We were okay. just going to nice put it you. up. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did another campaign where we raised a lot of money a number of years ago. And part of we were asked to do it by, by somebody. And part of it was that I had to reach out pretty continually. And I just didn't, you know, I love the work that we do. But for, for me, when there are all kinds of other issues that for me feel bigger, you know, mm-hmm. food scarcity and... And, and rent and evictions. And, you know, these are the things that I was feeling strongly, I, I feel very strongly about. Yeah, so you're, so you're comfortable doing that nudging. You just weren't comfortable at this moment for this cause. That's exactly right, Sarah. I wasn't. And Becky's like, come on, Joan. You're working so hard. Let's, let's see what happens. So we put it up and we raised, oh, gosh, I think around $7,500. Wow. And almost 200 people... Uh, donated, and they would write in and say, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm not really active in the ways that you are. I just really appreciate what you're doing, both for the arts and in terms of the political climate. And people donated, donated anything from five to $500. Wow. I didn't ask for And every amount, no matter what it was, would get the same, God bless you, thank you, we love you, you know. But then, and this part I thought was really kind of wonderful, an actress that I work with um, uh, decided, who really loves what we're doing, just she decided that she would uh, use her birthday fund. So she would raise money for us through her birthday fund, which was a few weeks later. That's terrific. So you sort of, uh, you you took it on your birthday, then you passed it on down to the next birthday. And it must have been just so gratifying to see people willing to support the arts when, as you say, there are some really big needs out there in addition to that. Yes, yes. And, And not just that they're willing to support the arts, but that they recognize the value of what we're doing, you know, and that we are giving opportunities to other artists and that we're trying to be this bridge between the arts and civic engagement. Um, It just, I mean, it touched me deeply. And the person, I want to call out the person who did the birthday fund for us. It was Susan Vulcan. Thank you, Susan. Should you be listening? Um, That really came as a surprise. It was just incredible. We did have some funding, Sarah. We got very high marks from the Regional Arts Commission and the Missouri Arts Council when our grants were evaluated, but then because of the pandemic, things were Mm -hmm. were cut. And then we also got some funding by um, a private foundation who also really believes in what we're doing. But I went out and decided I was going to do this without any of that guarantee. And that's actually a perfect segue to one other piece of audio I wanted to play today. Our producer, Evie Hemphill, spoke with Sabrina Tayus. She's a faculty member at St. Louis University School of Social Work, and for several years she's been the coordinator of Dance the Vote's voter registration efforts. She explained what that entails. I'm a big Hillary Clinton supporter. So in 2008, when she ran for uh, president, I um, joined different groups who were doing voter registration. Um, After a certain point, Hillary dropped out and she said for all of her supporters to support Barack, to help him get elected. And there were lots of groups here in North County, St. Louis doing voter registration. And I joined those groups. And on Saturday and Sunday, I'd go out with them and we'd register voters. 
So then when she ran again in 2016, no one was really doing voter registration. They were doing something called phone banking. That's when you call people to remind them to vote or remind them that an election is coming up. It's a get out the vote effort. And I'm just not really good at that. So I decided that maybe I could go back to voter registration. So I contacted the Board of Elections and they gave me training. And then that's how I started registering people to vote, only because I was not good at phone banking. That's Sabrina Tayus, and, and what a great story there. Um, Sabrina explained how she's ad- adapted these voter registration efforts for this new age of COVID-19. She wears a face shield. She yeah. comes armed with hand sanitizer and other supplies. And even when she's limited to doing it virtually, she finds ways to get that work done as well. Yeah. I also do uh, voter registration online. I show them how they can just pull out their own cell phone and go to vote411.org and register themselves. So I've been really creative in doing this and I've even continued training people online through Zoom on how to register voters. That is Sabrina Tayus of St. Louis University School of Social Work, the coordinator of Dance the Votes voter registration efforts. And Joan, I was joking earlier about the through line of this pandemic is lack of money and technical problems. <laughs> but but really, the other through line is people have found ways to be so creative. And honestly, mm. it sounds like Sabrina's um, patching things together is proof of that. She's heroic. I mean, she has registered thousands of people. You know, here's the thing. when When the pandemic hit, we said, how can we adapt some of these projects for the digital world? Um, and we've, we're all learning how to do that because some of the videos that came in um, were just in tremendous shape and others we needed to um, remaster the sound or we needed to suggest that maybe people add some visuals. It's a different world, this, this, this digital world that we're in, but it's the world that we're in right now and it's a learning experience for us. Um, But what I'm excited about is that we not only can, I'm trying to look at the positive about things, Sarah, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think that that's something that we all need to try and what are these moments that, that are, that we can move into. And the the fact is, is that uh, we not only can work with local artists, but we can work with people in other parts of the world. In episode one, we have one of our choreographers is based in Germany. Um, and that and you, other, you couldn't have done before, all no, of this connectivity. No, we couldn't have done. No, we couldn't have done before. And so it not only extends the opportunities of the artists that we can work with, but it also extends uh, the opportunities for the audiences. But, you know, we have all these amazing things that are coming up, and I bet we're going to run out of time. Yeah, I kind of unfortunately saw that coming, even with the additional time we had today. We do have just basically two minutes left here, Joan, and I would love for you to just quickly highlight Movin' and Groovin', which is on September 26th in partnership with the Missouri History Museum. Well, that's going to be a dance class. You used to do it outside the museum, and now we're going to, we've taped it. Ashley Tate is running it, and uh, we're going to do sort of some old-style favorites like the Macarena and the the wobble and uh, the electric slide is sort of to provide some dance comfort food, you know, like mac and cheese. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But we're also putting together, and I have a meeting right after this, we're going to do a collegiate uh, competition, which we will also have cash prizes for because I think that people want and appreciate some kind of financial recognition right now. Uh, and our working title is Good Trouble, Why John Lewis Inspires Me to Vote. 
Oh, that sounds so cool. This is a collegiate video competition? It is. It's probably going to be housed at Webster. I hope Webster is okay and happy that I'm announcing this, but we're pretty much committed to doing this, and I want to see if we can do it um, um, sort of across the, the metro area, that any schools and any, any students that want to be involved can. They, can. they can create work on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. There'll be short videos. Um, and it'll give them, we're probably going to announce this on Constitution Day, it gives them an opportunity to step into this because, um, you know, uh, according to what I've been studying, millennials and Gen Z comprise almost 40% of American voters. Hmm. And so you and, really want to encourage them, exercise that right. Yes, and, and a lot of places are dealing with voter ID laws and um, moves to, re- to remove uh, polling sites from campuses. Again, Missouri is, has a lot of voter suppression, and that is a subject for an entirely different program. Well, but, that, yes, that is, we would need more than an hour to do that. But but that's great to see the work that you're doing on, on this issue and, and great to hear about everything that, that Dance the Vote has been up to. And I just want to quickly mention here, and we just have just our final 30 seconds or so here, um, Joan is also being honored as a woman of achievement by the Nine Network. And I think that's super cool, just coincidental timing, but I would feel like a terrible host of the show if I didn't point that out to everyone. So Joan Lipkin of Dance the vote and woman of achievement. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for featuring us. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.